Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Daniel Hagen. Glory to God. I've got a somewhat of a heavy word this morning. But of course, we know his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but maybe maybe more accurately, I would describe it as weighty. It's a weighty word, uh, a lot of truth, a lot of scripture this morning. It's a more of a teaching rather than a preach. I think it's important that we understand the word of God and that we encourage every believer to know the Bible for themselves. I think it's really important that we don't just lean on things that we like or lean on passages in Scripture uh, that tickle our fancy, or as the Bible describes, tickle our ears. We just hear the things that we want to hear, but we need the full counsel of God. Amen? Now, this message that I bring today is not necessarily something that we major on every week, but it is certainly something that we need in relation to the full counsel of of God. For example, next week we'll have an amazing public speaker uh, that's one of the best in the world that uh, goes into the secular industry as well as into the Christian field, speaks in churches and in business, and we want to see people equipped in their destiny, in their purpose. And uh, so she's going to bring some great leadership skills. She's going to be speaking into a number of different areas, and, and we bring people uh, different people from around the world to come and equip us as a family here, John Bevere, Heidi Baker, different people that carry a different message, but collectively, hopefully, will bring us the full counsel of God. Yeah? Does that sound all right? So today, I'm going to bring a particular area that I believe is somewhat lacking in the wider body of Christ. Now, I feel like I can say that uh, because I have the great privilege of traveling a lot around the world and being involved in all sorts of uh, church streams, if you like, mixing with lots of different denominations. For example, yesterday uh, I was ministering to the Charismatic Catholics uh, in Melbourne. Go the Charismatic Catholics. And uh, they asked me to come and share my testimony. I got to talk about what it is to be born again, how I got born again and come out of darkness, come out of sin. And then I was able to also introduce them to Awakening Australia. As a result, there's now another 80 churches that are charismatic Catholics that want to be a part of Awakening Australia in November. Come on, Jesus. They want to get involved in the outreach and in the prayer and all the different lead-up gatherings. And let me tell you, all of the people that were in that meeting, absolutely all that are probably a big percentage were born-again believers and, uh, and they're Catholics. So... Yay, Jesus. So uh, there are many great things happening, but at the same time, uh, Ben and I have been discussing this somewhat. We're seeing great things, and you've, you know, we just saw some amazing footage of just some of the things that God's doing around the world, full altar calls, thousands of people being saved. But we're also seeing something that is uh, concerning, and uh, some people don't want to speak about it, and it's not always popular. But I believe it's important. And uh, we're seeing like a counterfeit. We're seeing a deception. We're seeing uh, a false grace message. We're seeing what some would describe as sloppy grace or uh, hyper grace, where people are, be- are believing things that are contrary to clear truth, clear scripture, 
uh, sound doctrine, foundational truths, pillar truths that have been around in Christendom for thousands of years and people are getting off and being seduced uh, by demonic spirits, being uh, seduced by doctrines of devils. And so I want to uh, go after that this morning. I want to expose that somewhat, um, not with my new uh, methodology or any great uh, new ideas that I have uh, personally. I don't want to bring you some new religion. I just want to get us back to the simple basics of the Word of God. And that's where we're safe. That's where uh, we'll, if, if we're grounded in truth, if we're grounded in the Word, we're not going to get into error. We're not going to drift into deception. But I want to start by reading a scripture and it's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to give us lots of Scripture today, so I hope you've got your Bibles. If you don't, we're going to bring up some Scripture on the big screen. But I purposely don't just want to uh, talk about the passage or flick a few Scriptures out and share a message uh, or a story. I, want us, I purposely want to uh, cause us to look and dig deep and read the passages for ourselves this morning, okay? Now, it's okay. Uh, it's, it's okay if we just share a story or a testimony. For example, I didn't open up the Bible yesterday with the Charismatic Catholics at all. I just shared a testimony, and it's okay to do that. But today, I feel led to get us uh, to point to the Scriptures and to encourage us as a family to be like the Bereans. Study the Scriptures. Understand the Bible. Be grounded in the Word of God, because there you will find perfect truth. Men get it wrong. Preachers get it wrong. People get it wrong. Streams get it wrong. Denominations get it wrong. There's no perfect church, but the Bible is perfect. From Genesis to Revelation, no matter what they say, is perfect. And uh, in particular, the original language of the Koinonian Greek, the old Greek language and the Hebrew language. The Bible's not twisted, as some would have you believe. It's, it's not altered, as some would have you believe. It is uh, the perfect Word of God. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. So in Timothy... 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, and in fact, the Spirit of God is saying through the Word of God, and actually, I'm going to go to, uh, oh, we've got it up there, that's great. Really interesting, it says, now the Spirit expressly says, that's the only time I see in the New Testament where God's going out of His way to teach by saying the Spirit expressly says. In other words, I'm going to highlight this. I'm going to, I'm going to cause this part to stand out in this chapter. I really want you to get, all of it's important, but I really want you to get this. The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times. We talk about the latter times in terms of revival and the last end time move of God. Many of us have We've heard of uh, Smith Wigglesworth. We've heard of Bob Jones and, and some of the phenomenal end-time revival prophetic words uh, in terms of thousands and the multitudes being saved. And I love that. And we, we should look to those passages, look to those scriptures, be inspired by those. And in fact, the Bible says that we wage a, war, a good warfare with the prophetic. In other words, when we're going through a hard time, we're going through seasons of doubt, uh, we, we look to those prophetic words and we go, come on, I believe this is our destiny. This is our nation's destiny. This is our local area's destiny. We're going to see revival. Our family are going to be saved. And we are seeing that. As I said, we're excited by what God's doing. But at the same time, we cannot ignore, nor should we ignore, passages like this. 
where it also says in these latter times, not only are we going to see a great harvest, but we're also going to see some depart from the faith. You've got to be in the faith to depart from the faith. So this message is not only to those that don't know God, but also to the church. And in fact, the context is to the church. And it's a warning to the church that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits or deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. How do we avoid doctrines of demons? How do we avoid seducing spirits? We must be built on the truth, which is the Word of God. Amen? And uh, it's, it's really, really important. So with that said, I want to just read a quick quote that, was, that kind of sparked my thought pattern because I'm always praying, God, what do you want to say? I don't just want to, I could teach on anything. And, and often if I don't get a clear directive, I have a catalog of different subjects that I could teach on. Um, but I, I always want to first hear what he wants to say in season. And uh, this morning, the nine o'clock session, there were over seven people, if I'm not mistaken, that responded uh, to this message. It was a hard message. It was a heavy message somewhat. But seven people responded to the truth. And ultimately, the truth is preached, uh, not to start an argument, but the truth is preached because Jesus wants to set the captives free. They shall know the truth, and the truth shall make them free. A beautiful young lady is during worship, Alana, uh, it was a little while ago, she was healed in our uh, encounter night. And she'd been had terrible back pain for many, many years as a young ch- a child. And I think 24 years of, of ongoing daily pain in her back has now been healed. And knew, that was her first night. First night she gets healed of a major 24-year back condition. And so she experienced the goodness of God. Now, and that was, that was the, the, the presence of God that she experienced. There was an aspect of God. And then this morning she's here again because she's so hungry, two services. And this morning she saw, uh, heard the truth preached and then she responded to the truth to the altar call and gave her life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ this morning. So she experienced the grace, the presence, and then the truth. And we need it all. We need the full counsel of God. We need to understand that Jesus is full of grace and He's full of truth. And it was beautiful. She encouraged me. She said, thank you so much for telling me that. No one has ever told me that before. Like that. And so, yay, Jesus. Let's give Jesus some praise. We need the truth. And so there was this quote. That got me thinking. That sparked uh, me into the scripture, or that sparked me in the, this particular direction this morning. And it says, "We need preachers who preach that hell is still hot, heaven is still real, that sin is still wrong." When you say the person next to you, "Sin's still wrong," and that the Bible is God's word, and that Jesus is the only way of salvation. When you say the person next to you, "Jesus is the only way." Did you know that most, actually every main religion acknowledges Jesus? But the difference is their definition on the identity of Jesus. Is he just a man? Is he a prophet? Is he a madman? But if you think about it, our whole time frame, our, the way we measure time, ADBC, is based on Jesus Christ. The death, the resurrection, he literally shifted time. No crazy man is able to do that. 
let me tell you, and he still, the effects of, of, of what he did on earth are still being felt more than ever all over the world. Billions of people acknowledge that Jesus is indeed God and is indeed alive and the only way. Let's give him some praise. Muhammad's dead, didn't get out of the grave. Buddha's dead, didn't get out of the grave. And none of those two actually said that they were God anyway. In fact, it's been recorded that Buddha's, uh, some of Buddha's final words were, keep searching for the truth. And I think that that's great advice from Buddha. Keep searching for the truth. And, uh, and you'll find Jesus if you do. Jesus said, if you search truly with all your heart, you will find him. Amen? So we're going to go to Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Buckle up. If you are into political correctness, you're probably not going to like this. But uh, maybe if you just hold on a little bit, I might be able to show you a few things. And more importantly, God will show you a few things through the Word of God. Now, some pastors avoid this now because of even uh, legal issues uh, around, you know, claiming that the Bible is like hate speech and different things. But I want to tell you that I was a broken mess and a wretched man, messed up in so many different ways, drugs, demonic stuff, sexuality, crazy, 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 crazy twisted. And it was the Bible that delivered me and set me free. It's not hate, it's love. It's a love message, but it's the full counsel that we need. Amen? All right, so we're going to dig deep. We're going to go a little bit doctriny. It's not a word, but I just looked at the time then, 12.13. All right, we're going to have to fly through this. We finish at 12.30, don't we? Whew. All right. Note to self, don't do big intros when you're teaching doctrine. All right, Acts 18.6. This is... Um, Records of the, the life of Paul in this particular passage, 18.6. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. You can see it up there. So why do they oppose him? Why do they blaspheme? Uh, shook his garments and said to them, oh, sorry, why are they opposing him? And why does he say, your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean? Opposition. We know Paul faced much, much opposition, uh, more than maybe any New Testament uh, leader. Uh, there's a whole list in, in the book of Corinthians about uh, beatings with many stripes, prison, uh, all sorts of uh, crazy stuff that Paul went through. Not because he was unrighteous or obnoxious, not because he was a criminal, but because he preached the full truth, the full counsel of God. And I want to say that Paul didn't just go around saying, Jesus loves you, and he's got a great hope for you. Now, that's important, and I've seen people get rocked by that. I'm not dismissing the importance of that, but he didn't just do that. He preached the full message. And often it's the full message, it's the part that people don't want to hear that brings the persecution. And sometimes church leaders fall into the trap and not bring in the full message because they don't want to get the persecution that Paul faced. But it's interesting that he uses language, your blood be upon your own heads. It's almost like Paul's recognizing that he has a responsibility. He's accountable before God if he does not preach the full truth. 
So he's saying here to the Jewish people, I've given you the full counsel, I've given you the message, uh, the, the blood's not on my head now, the blood's on you, now I'm going to have to move on, you don't want to hear it, I'm going to have to move on and go to the Gentiles. Are we with that? Are you with me there? Let's now go two chapters on, or move two, two chapters on, I should say. Acts chapter 20, verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. That's the part I want to highlight. Innocent of the blood of all men. Here, twice, in two chapters, he said something similar. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Verse 27, for I have not shunned, or some translations say I did not shrink back from, declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Everyone say whole counsel of God. Jesus is described in the book of John as being full of grace and full of truth. Full of truth. Not just bits and pieces, but the whole council. And here we see Paul saying, I didn't back away. I, did, I wasn't afraid to declare to you the whole counsel of God. The necessity to repent from sin. To tell you the truth that no fornicator will enter the kingdom of God. To tell you the truth that it's not okay to be an adultery. That it's not okay to watch pornography. It's not okay to be a drunkard and yet still remain or profess to be a Christian. That stuff's not popular. That stuff won't get you more Instagram followers maybe. That stuff might cause uh, even the offering to go down, uh, take a, a downward spike during the week if you begin to preach stuff like that. But are we here to please man or are we here to please God? What's our mission? God. And Paul understood that. He was fired up about it. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not backing down from telling people the whole truth because it's the truth that sets us free. The full counsel of God. But it's interesting the language he used. The blood is not on my hands. The blood be upon your head. It's, I'm now no longer responsible I've now done my job by telling you the truth and now it's up to you to do with that truth what you will. And in some ways, I echo those words to us as a family here today. Maybe there's new people, maybe there's not new people. Um, whatever it is, I wanna tell you the truth and then it's up to you what you do. It's between you and God with what you do with that truth. Amen? But we can't back away from the truth. Let's quickly now go to Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17. Now, keeping in mind that the person that we're talking about here, the New Testament character that we're highlighting is Paul. Paul was noted as being the Pharisee of Pharisees. He understood the Scriptures. He, not the New Testament, because it hadn't been written yet. He was helping write the New Testament, the Old Testament. He understood the Torah. In fact, one of the ways that Pharisees would be brought up as children, they would have to memorize. And in fact, to be a Pharisee, you had to be able to memorize a lot of Scripture. They knew the Torah. They knew the Old Testament writings, the prophets, uh, and Ezekiel, books like that. They knew it off by heart. And Paul didn't, when he became a Christian, when he had that encounter with God on the road to Damascus, he didn't throw away everything that he learned in the Torah because it's still God's Word. And Jesus said, not one jot or tittle will pass away. He didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament writings, but he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament writings. The Old Testament writings was something that Jesus quoted on an ongoing basis. Everything he taught, establishing New Testament doctrine, he still gleaned from the Old Testament, quoted it, but brought full revelation to it. And Paul was the same. He understood. 
And so when he's talking about your blood be on upon your own heads, and when he said, I didn't shun to preach the full counsel of God, I'm innocent from the blood of all men. He was referring to a number of passages in the Old Testament. One, for example, is in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17. Let's have a look. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear my word from my mouth, and give them warning from me. Understand, Paul growing up is gleaning from this, learning this, memorizing it, understanding the importance of this passage. Verse 18, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. That's why he uses that language because he read that language in Ezekiel. He understood that there is a responsibility as a watchman, as a leader, particularly as a leader. But I believe it's uh, relevant to every believer. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We have a responsibility, especially if you absolutely know it's the truth. You have a responsibility to not back away from telling people the truth. If you really believe that no adulterer, fornicator, drunkard will inherit the kingdom of God, where do they go if they don't inherit the kingdom of God? And if you really love someone, how can we not warn them that hell is still hot? The church is trying to dumb us down, diet, uh, not the church, sorry, the world's trying to dumb us down. In some, world, in some ways, that some of the church have picked up on that, the political correctness where we can't say anything anymore. I'm so worried about what people think. Jesus wasn't like that. God wasn't like that. John the Baptist, the Old Testament prophets, the New Testament leaders. You don't see any of that in, in the Scripture. Yes, we're to speak the truth, seasoned with grace, in love, yes. Sometimes we're to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves, depending on the circumstances, but we never back away from telling the full truth. So this is why he's using language in the book of Acts about the responsibility of telling the truth. Otherwise, he understands that the blood is on him if he does not, because he read that in Ezekiel. Verse 19, Yet if you, if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because he did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at your hand. Again, we see that reference of the blood. It's in quite a few passages actually in Ezekiel and in other passages. In other words, God's saying, I've given you the ability. I've given you the call. You have an anointing. And this is relevant to us. There's an ability in us to be able to preach the truth, to be able to release the goodness of God. We have the full counsel. We have the Bible in our hands. We understand it as believers. And if you do understand it, then we have a response ability. In other words, we need to respond to the ability that God's given us. Now, firstly, we do it because we love people. 
The first and prime motivation, which you'll hear echoed from this house, is we do it because we're intimate with God, we hear His heartbeat, and we love people. Yeah? And so love is the motivating driving force. Compassion is the motivating driving force. And that is something that we will major on. But at the same time, we don't neglect the other side of the coin. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We, we talk about the Holy Spirit, we sing about the Holy Spirit, but we need to understand the Holy Spirit is still holy. Holiness and righteousness, the definition of that has not changed. We're in the new covenant, that doesn't give us a license to think that we can just stay in iniquity and practice iniquity. I want to tell you, it was the love of God, the grace of God that drew me into relationship with God. And because of that, I was delivered and set free but there is still tempta temptation to go back into old habitual practices. And it's the fear of the Lord that keeps me out of sin, keeps me out of going back. Many warnings in the New Testament of going back. Esau gave up his birthright for a morsel of meat. In other words, for the things of the flesh, gave up his birthright. And many in these days are being seduced. We're noticing it, being seduced by demonic spirits, and doctrines of devil, even in doctrines of devils, even in the church. And that's why I feel I want to bring this somewhat straight message this morning. Is that okay? More scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. You can't go wrong if you're a budding uh, preacher and teacher, you want to learn how to preach and teach, you can never go wrong with teaching the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Now the context is important. Who it is written to is important. If you look at the previous verses, you'll find that Paul is addressing the believers, correcting, rebuking the believers, admonishing Warning, the believers, Christians, he's saying don't go to court with one another. Uh, bring in the outside world into matters that you should be able to judge on your own. And if you have to, just take wrong. And even be wronged if it means avoiding such things. The kingdom is a lot different than the, the system of Babylon. We live by kingdom principles. So Paul's bringing that correction to believers. So the context is to believers. Then he goes on to say in verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Part of our vision this year is, is seeing people strong in the prophetic and also to be etern eternally minded, or in other words, have eternity on the forefronts of their mind. We lost a beautiful member of this church, Paul, who came into, who was someone that really struggled all his life with habitual sin and in darkness and by his own admission. And then he got born again, cleaned up and sadly drowned in, a, in an accident at the start of this year. And that got us thinking about eternity. And he helped uh, in some ways spark even more the, the reality of, of heaven and hell and that life is short. And so if we're going to talk about heaven, we also have to talk about hell. We also have to talk about what will happen to people if they don't inherit the kingdom of God. Paul didn't shy from it and nor 
should we? The New Testament doesn't shy from it or back down from it, and nor should we. So verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. It's possible for Christians to be deceived. We can teach about identity. We can teach about uh, who you are in Christ. The righteousness of God has been imputed unto you. You've been made holy because of the blood of Jesus. And it's still possible for you to have a revelation of that, but yet still walk in deception. And that's why uh, the, the New Testament writers would not only teach identity, but they would also warn against sin. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict people of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment to come. So why would a preacher preach something different than what the Holy Spirit is doing? Because the Word and the Spirit don't contradict. Amen? So it's talking to believers not to be be deceived. Why would they be deceived? It goes on to say, neither fornicators. What does that mean? Sex outside of marriage. That's fornication. Or in fact, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's more than just uh, the act of sex. It's any sexual activity outside of marriage is fornication. You might not hear that much these days. And some, I hear weird things like, oh, don't talk about stuff like that. It's like sin consciousness. Imagine saying that to Paul, stopping Paul in the middle of his letter and saying, hey, don't talk about uh don't talk to Christians about fornication. They're already saved. That's sin consciousness. It's crazy. No, it's saying, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, it feels so good to speak the truth and to punch right through that demon that tries to intimidate us. The demon of political correctness. Oh my goodness. It's the truth that sets us free. As I said, seven people this morning responded just to, just to the Bible. All I'm doing is just reading the Bible. And it's like, it's almost like in, in, in some ways, this real simple foundational pillar truths, it's like it's new revelation again for some because we're off, so much of the church have been off with all this fairy stuff. This stuff that's out there that's, too hard to understand. And we've missed the core principles, the pillar truths of Christianity. We've got to get back to it, amen? Verse 11, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I love that. Paul brings the balance. He's saying, reminding them who they are. But that's not you. It's not what you do. But don't be deceived. If you go down that path, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need the full counsel. We need the balance of Scripture if we're going to be mature saints. I'm going to leave you with this passage now. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. As I said, a weighty word, but a word in season and a word that's important for maturity, the full counsel of God. This stuff got John's head cut off. This stuff got Jesus run out of town. This stuff got Paul put in prison. 
because it was the full counsel that got him in trouble, not just the goodness. Sometimes it was the goodness as well because they hated the miracles and they hated the fact that people gathered around Jesus, they were jealous. But often it was the full counsel that got him into trouble and we can't avoid that. It's what people need, amen? Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. This is an eternity message. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, you can profess that Jesus is Lord and still be in deception. Not be saved, not going to heaven yet profess with your mouth that you're saved or that Jesus is Lord. It's not about profession. Jesus said with their lips they honour me, but with their hearts they're far from me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. Many will say to me, this, that's interesting. This is end time stuff. In that day, many will say to me in that day, not just a few, many. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. So we have here people and many in that day, in today's day, that will say, Lord, Lord, that may even be operating in the prophetic, may even be able to see a demon cast out or to heal the sick, yet still not be in right standing with God. You see, the Bible says that the anointing or the, the giftings and the, the call of God Sorry, not the anointing. It says specifically the giftings and the call of God is without repentance. Which means it's a gift. The call and the gifts God gives to you, it's without repentance. And that's why you can sometimes see people operating in the supernatural and yet still in their own personal lives be off track. I've seen it. And testimonies of people that I've known personally have been able to go on the streets, pray for the sick, and that night they're sleeping with prostitutes. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit, by their life. Verse 23, and then I will declare to them, so these are the people that are saying, Lord, Lord, and reminding the Lord that they prophesied and did different things. And then verse 23 says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Can we take, can we flick to that one? There's a couple of things that I want to finish with that are really important. And that also link in with Ezekiel, the passage in Ezekiel, okay? So Jesus is saying, I will declare to them, I never knew you, even though they prophesied. Even though they cast out devils, I never knew you. In other words, he didn't even remember the righteous deeds that they did. That's what it said in Ezekiel. Remember, he said, if you, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and goes back into iniquity, and you don't warn him, I will not remember his righteousness. And here we see Jesus saying, I. I, don't, I, never, I never knew you. Are you with me? 
The deception is sometimes people can be involved in revival culture. We're seeing great things around miracles. And so that you think that that's okay. And yet in your own personal life, you're continuing in practices that will lead you to hell. That's called deception. And that's why I want to bring truth today, not to bring condemnation, but to bring life, to expose deception so you can come back into right standing with God. That's why He does it. Not to condemn, to convict. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice. Now this is really important. I've seen this message taken in the wrong way sometimes and people flip out, get paranoid and think they're going to go to hell. But they're just weak. They're weak in an area. And I've seen people, they're trying, they're struggling in a particular area. They've got counsel. They're open about it. They're getting help. That's not for you. If you're getting help and you're open and you're, you're repentance and you're, uh, uh, the Bible says confess your sins to one another so you can bring healing, uh, then that's called weakness. And everyone has seasons of weakness. This is talking about a practice, a habitual a practice of lawlessness or iniquity or sin. If that's in your life, you need this message more than anybody. Just going to church won't get you into heaven. Saying, Lord, Lord, won't get you into heaven. Prophesying won't get you into heaven. We must depart from the practice of lawlessness. So I want to encourage everyone to stand to their feet right now. As I said, we had some courage this morning. Seven people responded to this message and realized the truth. One young lady said, thank you. No one's ever told me that before. Thank you for telling me the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. We can't be afraid to tell the truth. We don't want to fall into that category of departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils, hyper grace. Grace is a beautiful thing. And like in Romans, it's not a license to sin. Paul said, God forbid. Rather, it's an empowering force. When you get born again, you get given a power that helps you overcome sin, overcome temptation. Not to go back into it and say, oh, well, I've got grace. God knows my heart. God does know your heart and often it's seen by what you do. Holy Spirit, you're a great comforter. Holy Spirit, you also convict of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment to come. Your Word and Your Spirit are in perfect harmony, unity. And I thank You, Heavenly Father, that You're not willing that anyone should perish. And that's why we need the truth. If we love people, how can we not speak the truth? If we really believe the Bible, how can we not tell? God, help us to be watchmen. Help us to speak the truth in season, seasoned with grace and in love, with the motive of seeing people come out of the snare of the enemy, the deception of the enemy, and come into life and life more abundantly. Paul said, I didn't shun, I didn't shrink from telling you the full counsel. 
in this church, my prayer is that we will, we're not going to major on it every week, and, but we will tell the whole truth. And, and hopefully over a period of time in the different expressions, the home groups, and you'll get to understand the full picture of God and His Word. But today God's appealing to people with truth to say, don't remain in deception. I believe that this is a prophetic word that needs also to be uh, released across the earth. There's great revival, great things happening, but there's also a great deception that's trying to counter what God is doing in this season. And I pray that we as a family would not fall into that uh, deception. The Bible says even the very elect will be deceived in these last days. And I believe it's because we get away from the word. We get we get caught up with all these fancy quotes on social media that just aren't a Bible. And we, we, our, our, our spiritual uh, input is just social media now. We just hear quotes and little prophetic things, and but we're not eating the meat anymore. We're not getting just into the pure Word. We're hearing preachers and teachers, which is not wrong, but we're not reading the Bible for ourselves, and, and that's how we get into deception. That's how the, even the elect can be deceived in these days. So God, I pray that all of us would not go down that path, that we'd be hungry for your word, hungry for your truth, not fearful and paranoid, but just solid, solid in who we are in Christ, solid in the truth, the healthy fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And also not afraid to tell others when necessary. All right, so... Right now, I, I, I sense there's courage in the room. And I'm believing right now that others are going to respond in the same way. That you know that there's areas of your life that aren't right before God. And I talked about pornography. It's an epidemic around the world at the moment. I talked about sexual uh, immorality and drunkenness and uh, idolatry. There are many, many things that separate us from God. You know, Jesus healed people. And one of the things that you would see him say on a consistent basis after he healed them is sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Why? Because he doesn't just want them healed in body. He wants them in heaven dwelling with him for the rest of their lives. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.